Here we go. You are listening to Open Mic Friday on Law and Gospel on this October the 22nd in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. For some 24 years now on KFUO, we have had the privilege of having an open mic on Friday. Right now, uh, due to the virus, it's being done by you sending me emails, and I read the emails over the air and attempt to answer them. There is a email book available that costs $15 if you're at all interested in having that sent to you. It's mainly the questions from people and their comments, as you're going to vote to hear. And the answers aren't there because the answers were given, of course, on Open Mic Friday. First one, dear Pastor Baker, thank you so much for your program, which is centered on Christ's law and gospel and feeds my soul. I have been a member of the LCMS for, the enti- for my entire life. LCMS Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Also, I must thank you for your analysis of hymns. And we do that with Mark Smith on Tuesdays. I've been wanting to thank you for a long, long time. Quite a while ago, you reviewed the Navy hymn, Eternal Father, Strong to Save. I relied heavily on this hymn, as well as Holy Scripture, when I traveled to Europe for a cruise. It was most fitting as I traveled by air to arrive there, cruise the Mediterranean Sea, and traveled on land for the daytime excursions. My immediate fear was flying, my sinful nature at work full strength. Well, the devil didn't help either because he is good at feeding my fear. I sent many prayers weeks and months before I ever left. After listening to your program that particular day, I brought a hymnal home from church and printed all the verses to the hymn, committing them to memory. I was so grateful that the Holy Spirit led me to listen the day you talked about that hymn. I sang that hymn to myself throughout the entire trip. Now, Every time I hear it, I recall how my Heavenly Father kept me safe in all forms of travel during that trip, as well as each and every day of my earthly life. Your wisdom and guidance were invaluable. Thank you so much for your program. I hope I will be able to listen more often in the future. Christ's blessings. Now, we we said for a long time after Mark Smith and I go over the hymn for the coming week, that it's a good idea, whatever your congregation sings from, whatever hymnal they have, you ought to get a copy for your home. And then say about Wednesday, that's usually when the pastor knows what hymn they are going to be using, phone up the church, find out what the hymns are, and then kind of go over them on your own in the hymnal, with your kids, particularly if they're attending church with you, so that they'll have a good idea of what the hymn is all about. Now, the hymn he's talking about is, of course, the great naval hymn, Eternal Father, Strong to Save, and it has wonderful comfort for those who are traveling by sea 
or by air or by land. And in this case, it really helped him. He even memorized the hymn. I knew of a pastor friend of mine who on Saturday mornings would take his family out for walks. They lived in a rural area. And so they would go into a pasture or something singing hymns as they were walking on their Saturday. And the kids really got to memorize many a hymn. Okay, next email. Dear Reverend Baker, uh, I had visited various churches, and this email is from a church and a lady and her husband I had visited. She says, my husband and I both appreciate the time you took with us. I am currently listening to your program. It clarifies further what was missing in my years as either a non-denominational or Pentecostal churchgoer. In fact, since sitting at the feet of our pastor, who teaches law and gospel like you do, my husband and I agree that our faith has become solidified in ways we never knew before. Blessings. Yes, non-denominational. What is she talking about there? She's talking about an independent church. And believe it or not, I believe all non-denominational churches are really of the same denomination. I haven't met a non-denominational church yet that agrees with the Lord's Supper being a sacrament, that you're really receiving the body and blood of Christ. Also, many of them do not baptize infants, thinking that, well, you can't baptize an infant because they don't know what's going on, and therefore it's really not appropriate. And of course, they believe that you can be saved by inviting Christ into your heart, etc. They're also very legalistic in the sense that their sermons keep indicating to you that if you truly love God, then you'll be doing good works more and more and more. Now, I'm not denying that someone who loves God does good works more and more. But on the other hand, I do want to say that the good works are not the reason that God loves you. He loves you because of the good works that Jesus Christ did for you. Your salvation is a gift. All right, next email. Good day, Pastor. I'm writing a quick email question to you concerning a discussion I just recently had with a good friend of mine. We both enjoy the discussion of Scripture, although he has a tendency to lean towards a more scientific approach. I still listen to your show via the archive shows and becoming more and more interested in the study of the Lutheran faith. Anyway, to my question. Number one, my friend contends that in Genesis, there are actually two separate instances, although different accounts totally. I thought one is just a retelling of the same story. Well, let me uh, deal with that question first. 
Yes, Genesis 1 has a chronological listing of how God created things, beginning with the first day through the six days of creation. Genesis 2 and following talks about the things that God created, but not in chronological order. It would be like me telling someone, yes, I'm going to be build a house. And they're going to say, you're building a house? Do you know construction? I say, oh, yes. First of all, we're digging a hole. Then we're going to put down a, a cement foundation. And then we're going to put up some walls. Then we're going to put up stairs. Then we're going to have a roof on there. You see, I, I'm telling chronologically what is happening. Somebody else may say, I hear you built a house. And I say, oh, yes, we really enjoy building the stairs because they're ornate and you can get up to the second story without any problem at all. The stairs are nice and wide and the roof keeps out the rain. Well, nobody's going to look at me and say, you built the stairs and the roof before you built the foundation? Well, what, what kind of builder are you? No. And that's what Genesis 1 and 2, a lot of people think it differs, but it really doesn't. It's just from different perspectives. Then number two, my friend also contends that Adam is actually God's first son. He contends that if taken as a literal account, this is so. As I said, he prefers to look at scriptures and then approach them in a scientific manner. He is a firm believer in God and loves Christ. So how do I respond to that? Well, is Adam God's first son? No, that can't be. Because Adam isn't created uh, until later on in the creation, the sixth day. Whereas God's first son, his only begotten son, already appears in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1. We, we said this a number of times. The Holy Trinity is mentioned in the first three verses of the Bible. Verse 1, God the Father created. Verse 2, the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters. And verse Three, and God said, let there be light. And we know that the person of the Trinity who said that was none other than Jesus Christ, because he spoke the word. And in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And we know it's talking about Jesus Christ because in verse 14 it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, of course, that's Jesus Christ. So your friend is in error. Even if he wanted to consider Adam as a son of God, which he is, he's a created son. There was only one begotten son. Now, all Christians are considered by God 
to be sons of God because the male son was the one who got the inheritance in the days that the Bible was written. But that means both men and women are considered as sons of God, receiving the full inheritance. And what are the gifts? They are the gift of the forgiveness of sins and many, many blessings. Uh, going back to the email. My friend feels that you need to understand Scripture in terms of the age in which it was written. So he thinks that the telling of Adam and Eve was God's way of explaining to Moses a genetic cloning, as Moses wouldn't understand any other way. Now, that's a horrible statement of heresy. So God is bound to how we human beings understand things? Then what's he talking about a trinity? No, nobody understands the trinity. Well, what's he talking about that a carpenter from Nazareth dies on the cross and my sins are forgiven? Nobody understands that. So if we're going to use that criterion that God only can talk to us of what we already can understand, then there's a lot of problems that we're going to have with the Bible because you've got to figure out, well, what were the people understanding at that time? Not that it was true or not, but that was God coming down to their level, trying to explain to them with their limited understanding as though God could not give them faith to believe the unbelievable. And that's what the Bible's all about. The uh, email writer writes to me, I'm not sure how to answer him sometimes. Any thoughts? I seem to be floundering here for an answer. Looking forward to your answer and best wishes always, your friend, and it's signed. Well, the point I'm trying to make is God is not limited to revealing to us that which we only can understand because we can understand most of the scripture. Can you understand that when you baptize an infant, put water on a one-month-old baby in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that that infant receives faith? How can you understand that? It doesn't appear that they have faith uh, until you go to the Bible where not only does Jesus say, let the little children come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God, but even has that wonderful event when Mary brought Jesus in her womb to visit Elizabeth about one day after Gabriel had spoken to her. And John the baptizer was six months old in the womb of Elizabeth, and he jumped for joy when he realized that Jesus had entered the room. So don't tell me that babies cannot have faith. And it is even said by Gabriel to Zechariah before John the baptizer is born that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit before his birth. Interesting. So 
those who want to believe in science or what they call science is not really proper science because there's not proper evidence for anything in that area of evolution, for example. You can follow that, but it's not going to help you understand scripture. Okay. Uh, dear Pastor Baker, I wanted to thank you so much for the broadcast when you were going over a hymn. Both my husband and I were listening to it. We have been having huge money problems with our business. We don't know what God has for us, but we now have such a passion for the gospel and encourage people with God's word so their faith grows. That's really all that matters. You see, this is what's important about radio station KFUO. If you would like to support Law and Gospel, then we encourage you to send us a check. But if you want to also support the entire KFUO, send KFUO a check because there are many programs that make it clear that the Bible is the word of God. All righty. Dear Pastor, I listen to all your broadcasts and have done so for many years. I, I've been on KFUO 24 years plus. I cannot thank you enough for your wonderful faithfulness in proclaiming law and gospel properly. I wanted to make a couple of comments regarding a broadcast. First, you mentioned that our, that our minds trail our hearts in faith. I re remember listening to Malcolm Smith many years ago and how he pointed to Romans 12, verse 2 in making a similar point. Let me quote Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then your friend and student, and it is signed. Yes, what was I talking about? that our minds trail our hearts in faith. You see, you have two hearts. You have your regular physical heart, but then you have the heart that David prayed for. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. That's the heart of faith. And I often will make the point that what gets in the way in our, of our heart of faith is our mind. In other words, we think things with our old Adam that are not true and actually contradict our heart of faith. I've been saying recently that there are two kinds of theology, biblical theology and everyday theology. Everyday theology is the theology that a lot of Christians have that come from their old Adam. And they'll make comments about God, about what he's doing, why he's doing it, etc. but not on the basis of biblical theology, but on the basis of their feelings. There are actually people who think 
that the Holy Spirit can guide them into directions that are not found in the Bible. We talked about that yesterday between the distinction of Roman Catholicism and Lutheranism. In Roman Catholicism, it is taught that the true interpreters of the Bible is the church leadership, the popes, the bishops, the councils. And therefore, when they speak a word that should be a word of God, it's as though it's in the Bible because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit to say these things. Well, I don't believe that a number of things the Roman Catholic Church teaches is in the Bible. Where does it say we should pray to Mary? Where does it say that Mary is sinless? Where does it say that when you die, you don't go to heaven, but you go to purgatory first? Where does it say where indulgences can be done by you to help pave your way towards heaven? And you talk to most Roman Catholics, if you ask them, how does a person become saved? They'll almost always include the notion of righteous good works. And that is so sad because that's not how individuals are saved. Not by their righteous good works, but the righteous good works of Jesus Christ. That's really something quite different. So, when we're talking about being transformed, we are transformed in the mind as we read the scriptures and what a comfort it is. For example, when I go to a hospital and either someone is about to have a baby or have cancer surgery, my prayer always includes promises from the scripture because it is only the promises of God that can comfort someone. For when they hear a promise, as we were talking about earlier in the program, where a hymn helped an individual take a trip overseas and he was not fearful as he kept speaking the hymn to himself. You see, many hymns, are tremendous resources for learning a summary of the Bible. In fact, there are some hymns that simply quote the Bible. Who hasn't heard the hymn, The Lord is My Shepherd? Based on Psalm 23, it's just word for word what Psalm 23 is talking about. And so you have wonderful hymns, you have great liturgy. I mean, who doesn't enjoy the liturgy when after you confess your sins, the pastor says, not on my authority, but on the authority of Jesus Christ, I forgive your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That forgiveness of sins is a beautiful gift. And it makes a big distinction between law and gospel. To forgive sins on the basis of the law would mean, well, you've done enough good things. You're worthy to be forgiven. 
Well, nobody meets that criteria. Instead, we give the forgiveness of sins on the basis of the gospel. And what does that mean? It means on the promises of Jesus, where he said from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And that was the great gift of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins. And what does that mean? It means that every time you sin, every time you disobey God's commandments, every time through unbelief you go against his will, you are not held accountable for that. No other religion comes even close to God saving you as the true triune God did in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So on Monday's broadcast, we'll be taking a look at a reading for the following Sunday, either the Old Testament, the Epistle, or the Gospel, and share with you how the distinctions between law and gospel make a big difference in understanding the text. I'm Tom Baker. Support Law and Gospel. Listen to what happens now. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.